0: Hey there, this is Alex with the Gray Area. Welcome to our series Spotlight, where our mission is to build a bigger and more united house music community by sharing new and exciting artists, festivals, and event brands with you. In this interview, you'll hear from Farragh Don, a Dutch DJ and producers whose hit in arms on Defected catapulted him to the top of his game. We'll talk about his journey from raver to hardcore DJ to house music heavyweight and how he manages to stay authentic and true to himself. Be sure to like this video and subscribe for more interviews like this. So I always like to start off by asking um, artists to explain their sound to me, like they've, like I've never heard dance music before.
1: Wow. Uh, so well, it's uh, well, it's house music. It always has a vocal. I like vocals, so I yeah. like people to sing along. Um, it doesn't need a full. It's never really a full song. It's not like a verse, pre-chorus, bridge. It's not like a pop song. Usually, it's a few strong hooks that keep coming back. Yeah, uh, that are really repetitive, but you know, in a good way. Um, and yeah, I like I like the the bass, the low end to be a bit heavy. So uh, that's for the for the guys, and then for the girls, there's the <laughs> vocal. So uh, that's kind of how I see uh, my music. If you listen to house music and just, I think that's that's the best description of it.
0: I like that um let's talk a little bit about um you growing up um what kind of music was around in the home when you were growing up what your parents listened to and how did that influence you
1: uh well it's that's a bit surprising actually because my dad's really into uh like uh the 80s rock music and so that was played a lot in my house and i hate rock music so that's <laughs> surprising uh he did play a lot of joe cocker which is kind of soulful for know yeah. i did like that but um I can't really say that that the music my parents played really influenced me in that way except because they play music that i'm not really a fan of right uh, till today if i visit my parents that music is still playing and it's still no it's not my thing so that is surprising <laughs> but uh so i don't I, I can't really put my finger on why uh how music triggered me back in the day or uh, i i do have a certain a few moments in my life that i know What happened and why house music, you know, kindled? Well, why well the flame got kindled? But it's definitely not my parents' music taste.
0: Right, that makes sense. Um, Well, what about when you started to develop your own taste before you like wandered into to dance music? What were you listening to when you decided it's time for me to figure out what I like? Uh, I was listening to pop
1: music, you know, just the top forty stuff. Just because I was pretty young at the time, and um, I remember buying like singles back in the day. Uh, when I was like 13 or 14. And those were uh, dance tracks from the top 40 because, you know, that that's all I was exposed to at the time. Right. Um, and then when I was 16, I went to a, a, a festival called Sensation White. I don't know I, if you know it. I know was, Sensation. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I was completely blown away by that event. With everybody in white and the music and the DJs. And that's definitely the moment in, in my head that I know that I, I realized, oh, mate, this is something. This I, I want to get into this. So, uh, right. Right. I was six. I was sixteen. I'm 36 now. So yeah, 20 years ago.
0: How were you aware of DJ culture before going to that party, or was this just like, what? Did a light bulb just go off when you went there, and you decided that this was the thing for you?
1: Uh, well, a, a little bit, you know. I saw a lot of stuff on the television, and there were like a dance programs on a Friday night on like music channels, and I did notice, well, hey, this is pretty cool, but never really looked into it enough because I was just young, you know. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't of age of actually being allowed. The thing is, with sensation, you have to be eighteen years old, but luckily I got in. So, um, <laughs> sixteen-year-old shouldn't be at an event like that usually. So I, I got a bit lucky, and that's the kind of that opened my eyes and. That's when I started DJing. When I was, uh, I think, half a year later or something.
0: And and um, how long did it take for you to to imagine yourself with a career in dance music?
1: Well, that actually that took quite a while because, uh, as I said, I started DJing when I was seventeen, and I, I played a lot in like local clubs and local festivals and everything. But right, um, I always had a I was either going to school or having a like a, a full time job next to it because you know and still need to make the money right um, and it wasn't until 2014 when i did the track called love too deep uh, that got uh, it went on to bbc radio one daytime radio in the uk so that kind of that got kind of, oh, sorry that, that was definitely no the reason that was definitely the re, uh, the moment that i i told my girlfriend as well from hey listen if i'm if i'm ever gonna do it this is the time
0: yeah um And do you feel like growing up in a country with such a deep history in dance music um, helped push you along in your journey? Oh, 100%. 100%. If you you compare
1: it to other countries where they don't have a lot of, you know, can you give me one second because my kids are screaming and I'm going to tell them
0: to go. Take take care of it.
1: Give me one second. Neil. Sorry about that.
0: No worries. I have I have an eight year old, um, so I'm fully aware of how it goes.
1: My mine are three and two, and it's <sighs> that's may- a tough time. Yeah, yeah, it sounds
0: like it's chaos there all the time. May- um
1: So, <laughs> uh, but, um, so yeah. Now, uh, to, to come back to your question, a hundred percent, it is it is it is great to you know grow up in a country where we're such a rich electronic c- uh, culture because if you compare it to denmark or sweden you can definitely tell there's a big difference in in the amount of clubs and the amount of festivals and everything so being able to go to so a big variety of festivals and clubs and everything that definitely helps you know
0: yeah absolutely um and you when you started djing you were playing like gabber and hardcore yeah. at the time which is like which is huge um which is huge there um at what point did you start to transition into like groovier sounds, and what was that transition like for you?
1: Uh, well, it, after a few years of playing that music, I I felt like I kept doing the same. I didn't I didn't find this this genre to be very fresh and innovative. You know, we keep hearing the same kind of stuff, and um, I got fed up with it at a certain point. So uh, after I think about four years in, after three, now three years in, I figured you know I'm gonna do a 180 because I I, I start to notice that I have a lot more. Um, you know, I feel a lot uh, better listening to house music than to Gabber or Hardstyle or whatever you want to call it. Right. And, uh, back then, my DJ name used to be Dusk. I don't know why I came up with that, but so <laughs> in my head, figuring uh, that I'm going to do a 180, so I'm going to go for Dawn and ferric is just a different way of my real name, which is right. fake. But uh, people in the US and in the UK and everybody who speaks English can't pronounce my name, so I figured I'm going <laughs> to change it a little
0: bit. So you gave yourself a little bit of more of an international name with hopes that that you would become an international DJ, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: a percent Yeah. You have to aim high, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you don't shoot for the stars, you're never gonna hit the moon. There you go. Um so there was a point. So when you you switched monikers and you started producing and you started to get you started to get noticed. Um and you signed to spin-in. And yeah. that was kind of a weird time in your life, yeah. Because you were making sometime you were you're were kind of making EDM And I know that that wasn't like, like totally your cup of tea. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how it felt to be doing that and then how it felt to like start to move towards a a sound that was more authentic to yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that is actually what what happens, you know, we, especially at the time when you, spinning at the time was doing so well and they were so crazy popular and successful that the people um, surrounding you produce that music in a way you kind of, it influences you a little bit, right? Um, and you feel like oh maybe I should you know look into this a bit more. Uh, that, but that's like short term vision, and then long term vision you'll you'll learn that you won't be happy doing that. So yeah. that's what I noticed. Uh, don't get me wrong, the guys from spinning are really uh, were really cool and supportive about all the decisions I made, and uh, the, no bad words about them at all. They were really uh, helpful and trying to you know help help me going to a direction that's successful um, but you know they're really they're great at doing the music they do but at a certain point I definitely felt like hey this is just not for me yeah, but I do. I did have a contract with them which was right. uh, four years in total um, so but slowly but surely during those four, four years you can also hear in the music that it goes to it transitions to house music more and more and more Right. and then uh, when the four years were, were over we shook hands in a very friendly way and uh I went on to different labels that I felt are better suited for the music I do.
0: Yeah. And then you cited defected, um, yeah. which is which is like is the pinnacle of of traditional house music. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did it feel to I mean, to, to be able to, to be validated by such a, a huge organization that's played such a huge role in, in the history of dance music?
1: Uh, it's amazing you know that's all uh, of course from growing up and, and slowly and surely going from garage to like house and techno the fact has always been there you know it's been there for 21 years or so now so there's always been a label that I thought wow that's something if you can release on Defected and uh, it actually happening that that was so, such a cool moment the thing the funny thing about it though is that uh, the track that got signed the first track was In Arms right and we signed it I think Let's say uh, May or June in 2017, but it actually yeah. got released in April 2018. So it's been there, you know, for a while. Right. Um, uh, because we were, they were trying, they were, they asked us to do a second track because it, uh, initially it was supposed to be on DFTD as a two-track EP. Right. So um, uh, we finished the second one, I think, in December. That's actually a track called "Lovers and Haters." That's going to come out in this summer. So. Oh wow been out for three uh, we finished it three years ago but it's gonna come this summer which finally you know
0: that's good this is the way uh, of the record label <laughs>
1: yeah well it's, it's, I, I get why i get why what happened and, and it makes total sense because what they did is um, they gave music right before the australia tour in february of 2018 they sent uh, a folder of music to uh, the, the, the resident DJs of Defected to play it on the tour and see which one, you know, resonates with the crowd. Right. Uh, so uh, Sam Devine, she told me last time we spoke, she said, I, I just put everything on the USB and went through it on in the airport, in the airplane. And she noticed that uh, in arms, so she figured I'm going to try and see what happens. And then apparently she got a great response to it uh, throughout the tour, started playing it everywhere and uh, told the guys from Defected, say, listen, this track really does something. Uh, so they made a the decision, which I'm really happy about, to uh, wait for with uh, lovers and haters and focus on in arms and put it on the main label because uh, there's a lot of traction going on around it. So right. I'm really happy they made that decision because the the marketing power they put behind it and the the cool videos and they did a great job. And that track is, is so far is my most successful track I ever did. So definitely because of the the effort they put into it.
0: Absolutely, I think you. I think you kind of struck on something there. I think what you did with In Arms was create something that even if you played it 10 years from now could still resonate with the crowd. Um, yeah, well, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's something that may be lacking in house music right now or in dance music because we have a lot of people that are that are just releasing music to get gigs or just releasing music to, to get a look um, and not necessarily thinking about how do I create something that's going to have staying power? Um, yeah. What do you think about you know this this current trend and like creating music that's going to last a lifetime?
1: Uh, well, it's, you know, the, the, the thing is, you never know if you're going to do a track that's actually going to stand the test of time, you know, right. I didn't know that was going to happen with In Arms, you know, I, I think I I'm, I don't think it's per se a mentality of just releasing music for the sake of it and hope to get gigs. Um, let's say In Arms might be like a, a lucky shot, you know, I, I didn't expect it to happen. I didn't produce it uh, aiming. For, of course, I always aim for a timeless record. But it's right. not something that you sit down and you go okay, now I'm going to do one of those. It's, it Kind of happens, but I do agree with you that, uh, in certain genres, there's a lot of interchangeable music that you know, every every beat are the same, it's the same samples, it's the same bootleg vibe, uh, which is tedious and boring. Uh, it, it I, I, yeah, it, it, I understand what you're saying, and um, but I also understand that people just release music and do their best, and sometimes, uh, attract you know. Does well and st- I said stand the test of time, and a lot of tracks don't. But that's also for my productions. You know, one track does well, and the other one doesn't. You never know.
0: Yeah, that's just the kind of the way it goes, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: absolutely. Um, so I know that you have a severe tinnitus. Yeah. Um, how did you discover that that you had it, and what advice would you give to DJs, producers, and even clubbers about protecting their ears?
1: Uh, well, it, it, it gradually happened with me, but this is back in the day when you used to play, uh, when I, well, everybody played on vinyl and I right. used to do uh, like six hour resident nights at clubs and I had like a big <laughs> monitor speaker next to me. Right. And, uh, you know, you want to do well, especially when you're younger. So you put the, the volume really loud, everything loud, as loud as it can be, no earplugs or whatsoever, and then do that every week for six hours. Then, then you know, something's bound to happen and it did. And um, it definitely got worse In the past, let's say, I think I have it for about 15 years now, uh, 14 years, something like that. Uh, That's not true. I think 12 years, but uh, definitely got worse gradually. So at a certain point, I I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do monitor speakers anymore. So I I, I changed to in-ear speakers, in-ear monitors. Yeah. Which I think is a good decision because the volume of your uh, headphone on the mixer is less. Uh, you need you need you're you're able to put it on like half of what you put it when you use a normal headphone. Really? Uh, yeah. So at, and also there's no membrane in it, so there's no vibrations hitting your your, your ear, which is more help was a healthier apparently. Yeah. Uh, less pressure on the hairs in your ear, you know. That. So that 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 definitely helped, and that definitely is a piece of advice to. To other people, but I can imagine you find it boring because you know you're kind of in your own little cocoon because it's very different from headphones and monitor speakers. Uh, in addition, it's a bit boring for the people in the DJ booth when I come <laughs> home because I kill the monitors for a big job, big part. You know, I don't need them loud, so I'm not going to stand there blasting speakers in my ears that I don't need. You know, a right. so, Bit of a buzzkill now and again, but you know that that happens. But um, for the rest, what I definitely would advise to Everybody is just to, you know get more of uh, molded earplugs and wear them and you get used to it. It takes you like a month or something. But if you're used to it, you you wish you'd done it before. And if you if you're used to it and you go to an event without them, 100 you will leave because it's so heavy and so intense yeah. with those earplugs in. It's perfect. It's balanced. It's relaxed. It's it's good for your ears. You're healthy and instead of like this. Wall of sound on your ears that you you know something's bound to happen at a certain point and I can tell you mentally it's 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 it's, it's, it's it can be difficult sometimes you know ups and downs everybody you know has has its ups and downs and with, with tinnitus, the same thing if you feel down if you feel if you're tired if you uh, if you had a lot of alcohol then it's right. going to get worse and then it's it's uh, up to you to uh, handle your thoughts and don't get lost in this fear of oh no it's it's worse it's worse what do I do right because that's uh, that's a very tough period of time that you have to go through and you have to find your own little balance in the whole thing, but it's not easy. So better prevent it than actually have to deal with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the best gifts I ever got was a set of molded earplugs. I used to work for Insomniac and they do backstage all of their, at all of their shows, they, they give them away for free and I took advantage of it. And I, I couldn't believe how much, um, how much? How loud things were until I put them on, yeah, At at a, at a par- at a party, and then I took them off. Like I was like, I just want to say, I had one in and one out, and I was just like, oh my god, this is. It, you're right. It's just too much. It's yeah, yeah. the the vo- It sounds great when you're when you're not used to it, but um, once you mute out a little bit of those harm- those those harsh frequencies, you're you're like in a whole new world. You can really oh, enjoy yeah. music a lot better, and you can hear people talk.
1: I, I I totally agree. Which is it's funny because it, I think people don't really they think oh no I'm, I won't be able to hear anything or blah blah. That's definitely not true. I'm 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 a big fan of using molded earplugs. If I don't have them with me, I wouldn't go to a club or even a bar or even a like a holiday a birthday party at a friend where there's a lot of people. Yeah, many people. I'll get annoyed by the different sounds and everything, and I will put them in and I'm okay again. You know, so it's more relaxed. You know.
0: That's so interesting that you even take them out to like birthday parties and stuff. I never even thought of that, but
1: but, but that's also because I I fear uh, that that my tinnitus will get worse. So I, I, I want to do everything I can to prevent me getting into a situation again that I can kind of blame myself. I'm oh you're such an idiot. Why didn't you brought? Why didn't you bring them? Now right. you go again. Blah blah. I don't want to do that. So I just wear them all the time wherever I go, and if it's needed, I put them in. And I'll be a happy guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, You've definitely had, you've been been around for 20 years. You've probably had, you know, thousands of nights out as a clubber and as a DJ. Can you point to like a favorite night out um, just on the dance floor where you didn't have to DJ? Uh,
1: You mean like an event that I really enjoyed or just in general who's playing? Or What do you mean?
0: Yeah, just like your favorite night out as a clubber
1: uh well i've been to uh, when i went to ibiza for the first time in 2008 uh we had a week of uh like two kind of two group of friends kind of blending together mm-hmm. the magical island blah blah you get all the stories <laughs> on ibiza but uh, right. i i actually had a, an amazing week there and we saw uh i, I spent a night at uh, we, we had a night at dc10 at circo loco with like luciano villa lobos loco dice all, the, all, all those guys because i, I used to be when I go out, I really enjoy listening to techno music. Yeah. Um, or like a tech house, tech, techno. That's a those guys. Richie Horton, Sven Vadel, that's yeah, those kind of guys. I really enjoy that. I like to play house music and I, I love house music, but when going out, I like it to be a bit heavier. Yeah. So, uh, the nights I have at those, Cocoon and Amnesia, uh, Richie Horton especially. Yeah, I man. that 2008 Ibiza, that's definitely, that That week will I will never forget. Never, never, ever forget that one.
0: That's so great. It's nice to it's always nice for me to hear that, even despite the fact that you may be like Djing on a right, you know, on the regular like once every week or twice, twice every week, that you can still remember times when you enjoyed just being out and enjoying music from the dance floor. Um, uh, yeah
1: well, you know when everything was normal, so let's hope it will return. Um, the last year, for instance, two years ago, I canceled what I blocked one weekend because I wanted to go to a festival with friends and. Listen uh, listen to kind, uh, certain kind of DJs that were playing, but just uh, I love DJing, it's 100% my passion and everything, but it's also important, to, you know, to spend time with your friends and enjoy everybody together because I don't see them a lot, especially right. during summer. So know uh, it's 100% worth it to
0: do that. Yeah. Are you still connected with the people that you met when you first started going to parties? Like, are they still part of your, your community? Some are, some are, and, and right. you know, I
1: said that two thousand eight weekend uh, week, I I made new friends, which are actually still my group of friends today. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely, music connects. You know, you have same the shared interests. And, yeah, uh, we used to go to festivals all the time, but everybody's getting older now and get kids, so right. things change,
0: you yeah, know? um, yeah, I totally know that feeling. Me and my right. wife pick one a year, maybe right. two. Um, that I'm not playing at to to go to just to just to enjoy. Hanging yeah. out and and being around the music. Um, yeah, yeah. And Smart. speaking of family, um, you have two kids, and how do you balance like your work and family life? Well, uh,
1: the past fourteen months were completely out of balance because you know, <laughs> I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only here with the kids. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love them to death, but uh, as you as you know, nowadays we young a uh, young kid, you know, and I, I'm two. Oh man, it's, uh, it's been uh, testing now and yeah. again. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's just intense. And you know, don't forget, what, what what I felt was something that my girlfriend. It's hard to ex- uh, explain to my girlfriend is I've been touring for like six, seven years. Every week, um, I'm by myself. You know, And yeah. in, in a way, it's kind of it's kind of great to just go out. Only you on you. You're just by by yourself. You spend time with you. Actually, you don't do anything without someone else. And that's back pretty great actually but um and and that's a nice balance from the hectic situation you have going on at home right so during the week it's kids and wife and everything and then in the weekends just me by myself traveling and you know airports hotels and all that which is uh, a balance i really enjoyed and the past 14 months that balance kind of gone because you know i'm there's nowhere to go right uh, even though i love how it usually is. So uh, during the week with my kids and my wife and my studio is in my house. So I see them all the time. Yeah. And, and then in the weekends away. And I, I love that little balance, but uh, so I'm kind of hoping that will come back soon again. Because, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I enjoy spending time with them in the weekends. Don't get me wrong.
0: But but everybody al- everybody needs some alone time. Everybody yeah. needs like some time to themselves. And I mean, I'm sure you're even your wife appreciates the time. Like I'm sure during the week she gets some, Time to herself too to, sure, yeah, yeah. to to be by herself. Everybody needs that in their life. I think that's yeah. important.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I you know, I was always bitching about oh, waiting on the airport again, oh the planes delayed, blah, blah. And now I kind of, you know, I, I I wish I can go back to <laughs> feeling annoyed about stuff like that because yeah. that means everything is back to normal again, you know?
0: It's interesting. Um after the last year, how much people are are looking forward to the mundane parts of life to yeah. To, to the boring stuff that we got used to, but that first that we couldn't do for a year. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you've been in dance music for 20 years. And with that perspective, what's the biggest professional lesson that you've learned?
1: Professional, uh, well, I, have to, I learned that in dance music, there's a lot of rejection and uh, you have to have thick skin to yeah. keep going, but it, in the end, it will be worth it if you keep going. Um, it's and it's it just it's not an easy industry to you know be part of there's a lot of competition everybody wants it um, but if you just follow through and stick to it then you know the reward is there but it's not an easy it's
0: a bumpy road that's for sure that's beautifully said that's like, that's totally true um and last question what excites you about the future of dance music
1: well i'm, I'm very excited about everything going back to normal again so that's one but uh yeah well uh, I, if you look at just the, the genres per se, uh, I, I'm just excited that, that house music is thriving still after 20 years. There's no, there's definitely no, no, there's no slowing down. It's probably even picking up pace. You know, there's a lot of wow. people interested in it. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. For instance, in the U.S., if you look at it. 10 15 years ago compare that to now it's amazing how dance music it kind of exploded in the us yeah let's say during the whole edm boom let's call it like that um it's very cool that you know throughout the world everywhere people enjoy this kind of music and yeah it's, it's not slowing down even though when when it originated like end of end of the 80s that they said oh it's just a, a short thing will end soon acid house blah blah the devil music blah blah, right. blah. all right now you know it's amazing that it's, it's so powerful and keeps growing. So I'm, I'm just super excited for when I, once, once everything is back to normal that, you know, the world is, is at
0: our feet yeah, for dance yeah. music. Absolutely. I think it's interesting that in the US, everybody talked about the EDM bubble bursting. Um, and I think that all-encompassing term for, for dance music, um, that may have gone away, but the br- bubble never burst. It was just like, hey... No, this is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, uh, you know, and I think that's a beautiful thing because when I first started doing this 20 plus years ago, that's all I wanted was to see this become like a global thing. And I looked at Europe and I looked at the UK and I was like, man, I'm so jealous that they get to listen to this stuff on the radio and uh, they have uh, big festivals. And it's just a beautiful thing to to be a part of this. And Which
1: is, which is surprising because it originated in the US. You exactly. Know? So, uh,
0: Uh, yeah yeah, it's nice to see it come home and Uh, you know and to to be able to talk to people like you and you know know that like now people want to come to the U.S. to play music as opposed to all the U.S. DJs wanting to go over there
1: oh I wait so I I said I I have one I have a a tour coming up half August and I, I I'd be absolutely gutted if that's not happening but I said I got my first shot. Now I got it. I started. Um, I called the doctor and explained the situation. Listen, you know, I'm, I want to go travel again, but I can't because I, my age group is not. Uh, there's no vaccines for people my age at the moment. But right. the doctor helped me out. And says, "Come over because we have some left." So she gave me yes. a solid one. So um, I, I'll be fully vaccinated in half August. The only thing that's in our way now is uh, that travel ban between the U.S. and and uh, and Europe. But I, I'm. I hope that will be lifted soon. And I'm Thank really surprised you. about the whole thing that they say you can you can come into the U.S. if you go to Mexico, spend 15 days in Mexico, they can cross the border, which I don't understand because if I'm fully vaccinated, why can't I just cross the border? Why do I have to go to Mexico for 15 days? I don't
0: care. I, I have no idea. I The travel travel laws make absolutely no sense these days, especially if you're fully vaccinated. I feel like if you can prove that you're fully vaccinated, you should be able to go wherever you want. Yeah. Um, but I think things are probably going to change in the US. I was just reading that in the US, we're at 50% of all adults are fully vaccinated. Um, so we're getting close to that, like 70% like benchmark. So yeah. I feel like in the next couple of weeks, or maybe in the next month or so, things are, are going to change. I mean, even California, I live in California, and California was the most restrictive state. And uh, yeah. we're opening up fully on July on June fifteenth, like with really? zero restrictions, full capacity at at parties, movie theaters, everything will be fully open. So I think things are definitely going to change.
1: Well, you know, I have to say, hats off to uh, Biden and everybody for the vaccination
0: program they got going on because that's impressive how quickly that's going. They rolled. I I very impressed. I was you know even in when it first started happening in February, people were fighting to get them, and now you can just walk into a a drugstore and, and ask for one and anybody over the age of 16 can get one. Oh really? Yeah. Anybody over the age of 16 can just walk into any drugstore and say, I want to get vaccinated and they'll, they'll make it happen.
1: It's amazing, man. Imagine we're 17 million people. And it's, it's been, we worked on it since January. And I think we're like eight, 8 million injections still. So it's like four or 5 million people. So it's, it's crazy. It's stupid, but you know I'm um, whatever. I'm I'm gonna I'll be vaccinated <laughs>
0: half of July. So, absolutely. Well, you know if you do make it to the U.S. and I live in San I live in Oakland, which is out of of San Francisco. If you make it to San Francisco, I, let I'm me know. Go there. Yeah. Audio. Oh yes, audio. That's one of my favorite venues in the city. I love that space. It's amazing, and I'm so happy that they're open again. So, if you do make it here, let me know. I'd be ha- I'd love to come see you. Yeah, man. Let's do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me today. This was really fun. Um, sure, yeah. And uh, we will be in touch, Ben. Thanks so much again.
1: Great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hopefully see you in, uh, in audio then.
0: Yes. Yes, you will. Okay, man. Bye. All Thanks. right. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.